um, and why they're asking for help from someone like me because it's just not working in every area of their life, probably financially, relationships, um, their career. So it's all just not working. So uh, I create structure. So my message is really structure, systems and habits um, in that order. So um, lots of people talk about habits, but they talk generally about them. Um, and you can read all the books on them and still be like, I'm not getting anywhere with these habits because um, without structure and systems that are working for you, you're going to struggle to get habits that work as well. Hello, I am Joel Ingram and this is Crisis to Crushing It podcast. Let's dive into this week's talk and I'll help to increase perspective, expand perception and allow you to change your reality. Enjoy the show. Okay, so today on the show, I have with me John Beats, performance coach and former Royal Marines officer. He is the founder of the Elite Civilian Academy. He helps ex-military officers struggling with self-worth to find their life purpose. John, welcome to the show. Welcome, John. How are you? I'm good, mate. I'm good. We meet again. Yeah, we meet again. <laughs> so good, good to see you again. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Okay, John, can you um, tell us a little bit what's going on in your world right now? Sure. So. Um... At the moment, um, as, as you've already said, I'm running the Elite Civilian Academy, which is uh, directed purely at um, ex-officers uh, uh, of the Army, Air Force and Navy. Um, and I help them specifically around self-worth and developing their, their a new life purpose. Um, and this came about really from my own experience of, of progressively when I lost um, my identity as, as, a, as an officer in the Marines. Uh, which which happened overnight, but then was a slow decline of kind of five years of not accepting that, and um, and that's all those things that I learned on that journey. Um, then came to a realization really that the corporate world was definitely not for me, and I knew that really from six months in, and um, and I just cracked on because that was kind of the mentality, and we'll we'll get into that in a in a bit. Um, and so I really decided kind of four years after leaving that um, I'm, I'm going to make some sort of jump. And uh, it was all very dirty as it is um, because I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. Um, so I started to do some investigation um, and thought really, look, I've, I've effectively I've been a performance coach for 15 years because when I started back when I was 22, when I joined the Marines and passed out at Limston, um, I was managing 30 or 40 people from then and leading them in, in sort of some high pressure situations in Afghanistan. Yeah. Um, and then w when I moved on from there, the teams either got bigger, uh, more complex. Um, so I really learned about people and coaching, getting the best out of people. So I've done it for 20 years anyway. Um, so what's obvious is always right in front of you. So um yeah, I discovered really coaching was a great passion of mine and developing people beyond uh, what their limitations or their own limits were to, to reach their full potential was really a, a passion of mine. So uh, that wasn't an overnight sensation. That was doing a lot of work on myself to be sure about it because um, in my mind, I was sure about working corporately and, you know, earning these decent salaries, but it was all just uh, a guise really. Um, so about a year ago really the the elite civilian academy was born as we were just discussing off off uh, off call um 
from an actual subconscious workshop that I'd done. So it was really exploring my subconscious to, to understand what is my, my genius, so to speak. And it was really coaching people. Um, and so it was born a year ago and I wrote it down. I had all my notes from a year ago, literally mapping it all out. And then a bit of doubt came in, suggesting, well, you know, should, are you sure about this? Can it make money? And then I, I went into a bit of corporate coaching for about uh, almost 12 months before I decided, you know, this is just really going back to, to square one. Um, and I'm playing really safe here. Um, so I struggled massively towards the end of uh, last year, kind of September time. And a, kind of a breakdown turned into a breakthrough. And it was like, falling a long way down the side of Everest, but then really climbing back up the North Face. So it was like a really fast drop to really fast recovery almost. Um, and it was then that I decided, right, you know, uh, I'm going to go all in on the Elite Civilian Academy and, and started, you know, really knuckling down my message, who exactly I wanted to help. And by that time, over that kind of 18-month period, I really built my coaching skills as well. So... I was able to come in sort of two-footed uh, into the academy and then and just get up and running. So I built my kind of coaching program, which is an eight-week online program. And then I work on a one-to-one -one basis with people as well. And that's just sort of picking up now and I'm, I'm building that slowly. So that's a long answer for you, but that's kind of where I'm at now. So I'm coaching people on a one-to-one -one basis and really loving um, every minute of it when I'm actually doing the coaching. Yeah. No, you you were... Uh... Well, we've had a session. Yeah, so, uh, I get, I get, I can vouch for that. Very professional. Uh, elicited a lot of good uh, uh, things from me. Uh, good questions. So yeah, plenty of pause for thought and things to act on. In fact, I have acted on most of the, the actions I took <laughs> yeah. away. Yeah, good tonight. Um, yeah. Um, so yeah, highly recommend John. Um, something I wanted to dig into. Something you said there. Then you said I knew I was playing it safe. Yeah. How did you know you was playing it safe? Um, because I'd come from, you know, a few years in corporate and, um, this, it, it sounds like an, it sounds like arrogance, but I know it's not now because I understand myself on a really deep level from, from doing the work on myself. Um, but I never really tried once, um, I got into corporate and I'll explain that. So when I joined Amazon, um, as an ops manager, direct you know straight off I actually got early release so I got the job before I left the military and they released me a little bit early um but it was really it was a, it was high pressured it's why they uh, recruit mili ex-military it's a really high pressured fast moving environment as you can imagine from what you get from Amazon you know that means that on the sharp end of the operation it's really really slick um high pressured but the the, the thing was it with it was once you'd learned the job this is my perspective and opinion, by the way. Three months in, I was kind of like, right, I've mastered this now. Um, what, do you, what else do you want me to do kind of thing? And the answer was, uh, just do it better. Yeah. And that was, a that was a real problem for me because uh, I'd come from an environment where, you know, I just didn't hear that answer. It was kind of, I had a lot of autonomy. It's a bit of a, it's a, bit of a misconception, really, with the, the Marines particularly. I can't speak for all three services. but. Um, um, what, one of the reasons I joined the Marines, and I wouldn't have known this, but actually I had more autonomy in the Marines by a long, by a mile than I did when I went into corporate. 
And ironically, when I was being interviewed for those jobs, they were said, how are you going to handle the transition from asking people to do things, they just do it from going to a place where you have to kind of negotiate and ask people a couple of times to do things. And I said, well, I don't believe in that. I believe it's about earning a level of respect where people start to work with you, not for you. Mm. Um, so I'd, what I'd realised is I understood leadership on a deep level um, from my experience, particularly combat experience. And, um, you know, learned through some exceptional leadership in the Marines at a high level and at the same level as me. So basically... I was finding everything a bit too easy, um, and and but I was also lying to myself about that. So I was doing it, and I was literally shuffling paper, particularly when I moved into more of a desk job. Um, and it took me a while to admit that to myself that I was playing a real safe game, and I needed to, I needed to be rechallenged. I was, as we would call it in the Marines, I was resting on my laurels big time. I was resting on my past success, which is, you know, I've made this thing. I've, I've climbed Everest. I don't need to climb any more Everest now. I've done it. I'm done. I can, I'll, sell my, I'll sell my woes off the back of that one triumph. Um, and that's, that's, that's hard to say at the time, it, but it was the truth. The truth was I, I was playing, playing small and safe. Um, and I was still kind of using the collateral from my past success to kind of say to people, well, yeah, I used to be this. It's like, who cares? You know, that's in the past. What are you going to do now? And so I had to, I had to level up big time on that. It's, um, that's, that must've been a difficult thing to come to a realization of. Um, yeah. because you, you, you look, you're looking, looking at yourself in the present with quite a critical eye. Yeah, how, how did how did you go about that? How did you know? How did you know to do that for starters? Um, it, it came from the it came from the coaching because the the irony was with with it was that I went into this naively, you know, into coaching and through accreditation, thinking you know I know everything. What you know, not that I'm I'm not arrogant in any way, or I certainly don't perceive myself to be. But I went on there sort of saying, you know, again, I was going from past achievements thinking, well, this is something I can learn and I can just go out there and, and I can just coach anybody kind of thing. Um, but what actually happened was um, I didn't know anything about myself uh, in certain areas. Like, so, you know, being in the Marines, you learn a lot about yourself um, and what you're capable of. But there's lots of patterning when I left, which I realized didn't serve me anymore. Mm. Um, and the coaching experience and what I was learning allowed myself to ask those questions of myself. Um, and I also continued to get coached because, you know, uh, as we've discussed before, it's like, you know, going out there saying, going to the doctor and then not wanting to, you know, it's like a doctor saying, um, you need to go and see the doctor and not going themselves. So I, I was getting coached myself and um, I, I'm not, you know, and I know some other people say this, some of the top coach out there say this, but um, I realised that this is what I really wanted to do because I was getting coached myself and it cracked me wide open, basically. I asked some powerful questions and I thought, how can a question really, you know, what is this all about? Um, and it wasn't just about having a chat with people, it was about creating a new perspective 
and those new perspective allowed realizations which were ones which were pretty big about myself and I had to that's what that's what you're getting at you go in layer by layer um, and the more reaction someone's having to something or resistance or um, denial means that you're getting closer to the truth and um, and often the truth hurts as they say um, and it's, it's up to you it's an, everything's a decision so it's, it's up to you whether you decide to accept that truth um, or not and then live unconsciously basically and just keep going on and in denial so it's still a cho- it's still a choice once you get there I think but I, I, I decided to in order to grow and um, you know what I teach move away from uh, that world and create a new identity which wasn't linked to my old one because it mm-hmm. I, I can talk about this in a minute but um, I was so in, intrinsically linked to that identity still that I was still suffering almost chemically from that uh, loss because uh, I know it's kind of uh, hard to understand but leaving the military is like loss that's how I explain it to people because uh, they they don't prepare themselves for a loss but it's in the brain it's very much like losing um, a close relative wife child in some ways I'm not obviously making it worse or worse than or anything like that but it's, it's the same feelings that go on inside your head Mm. um so it's it's a process of grief almost but most people are in denial because they don't realize it is that um so they carry that for a long time and there's, there's no time limit on that so um, and i'm realizing that more and more speaking to people that um are coming to me saying you know i've, I've held on to this for so long it's like it doesn't matter let's just let go of it now so do do, do they not prepare you for transition Good question. Um, again, that that's that's um, an ongoing conversation, um, and I'm I'm starting to I don't get bogged down in that one because it's a real discussion, and it takes me off my own message. Okay. But I am interested in that because um, it's it's a it's a tricky one, but I've I've got to be armed for that one, and I'll, I'll explain that because. Um, transition really is designed this is my opinion is really designed to take a service lever and get them a job and tick the box that that person has left and they're into a job Um, if I'm honest which I am the that process means that we're not really bothered about what job or whether you're happy in that job a job is a job it means you can pay the bills and we're all able to Um, but as you and I know, um, that doesn't mean to say they're going to be fulfilled. And actually, because they're living in the high of, you know, they've made a decision to leave. It depends on, you know, the circumstances of them leaving. But if they decide to leave um, and they get prepared and they go into a job, they think they're going to, it's all kind of rosy. There's no like pain yet. So um, it prepares you practically, yeah. Um, and it's, it's got better and lots of people say what are you talking about they, they you know they give you lots practically cv workshops and all this stuff so yeah that's all great they do that but psychologically um it's not they don't 
that they they don't want to look at that problem because it's a it's a dirty problem and it's one that doesn't rear its head for a few years so they they're, they're done with that by that point if i'm honest and then a lot of, you know a lot a lot of it then ends up in the hands of charities that that work to help veterans um and ultimately why i chose to go into this this arena because i'm, I'm not looking at people that um, I've got like real issue, real big issues like that need specialist help, like PTSD. I'm looking at people who are just not fulfilled because they went into jobs and corporate jobs like me, thinking this will all be fine. I'm just going to crack on, and you know, not long after, sometimes six months, a year, two years, they're really realizing that there's no fulfillment there for them at all, mm-hmm. and uh, it starts to affect every area of their life. It's almost like they're saying, you're, you're, you're in a job, therefore you're functioning. But for the ability to win money is not the same as functioning, not in a holistic sense, anyway. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, my unique experience is obviously um, my experience and not the experience of others. Um, but there's, there's lots of things that are coming up um, that I'm realising not just about self-worth, because that, that's a, that was a big thing from my conditioning before I'd left, but... Like I said, my, my worth was linked to my identity as being Royal Marines officer. So when you take that away, you take my, my self-worth was taken away in one foul swoop because I'd linked it intrinsically to that identity. Mm. And that, that identity was reinforced by my friends and family because it, was, it wasn't John, it was John, Royal Marines officer, mm. and kudos, and it's particularly the higher up you go. So the SF guys, the SAS and SBS operators, understand that even more because there's even more kudos with that um so therefore when they leave that kudos is taken away like like that and they're suddenly left with no identity it's like who are you now who do you Mm. think you are now that's that's what's in their their head and that's you know suddenly the world does not see them in the same light which is you know kind of this hero complex um, that I understand as well, hero complex, a real thing. Um, and they suddenly become very lost and a lot of them uh, go into dark places before they come out or, or don't come out in some cases. So, um, you, know, you know the way they reinforce um, identity in the forces? Is that something you could like deconstruct and, and, and apply with someone? Do you know how, how they do it? Do you know how it works? Or is it just sort of just happens type thing? Yeah, no, I'd say that it just, it happens. It's like a personal thing that you, that you choose to identify with. Otherwise I'd be dealing with every single person that left because it'd be like a, it'd be a known problem to a hundred percent of service leavers. And I don't think they could deny that then as a, as something that they need to, to deal with. Um, I think it's more of a unique experience. Otherwise I'd have literally too many people to, to actually help. Uh, I'd be running massive group programs or other people would be involved in this. So, yeah, I think it's, um, it comes with conditioning before you, uh, before you enter is like, it's going to be, um, I suppose, make you more likely to take that on, um, those conditions on. So my own conditioning was that, um, I, I did things that pleased my parents particularly my, my own father so we've, we've been there before but so subconsciously this wasn't consciously going I'm going to do this because it's going to make my dad really happy or proud or anything like that I wasn't doing that like actively 
but subconsciously that was going on because of the conditioning that I'd had. Like, so when I joined that organization, um, his own dad was in the military and was probably the first, but he was kind of in a war era um, time. So that was, that was pretty common. Mm. And he, he didn't, his dad died when he was 15. So that conditioned him in a lot of ways. Um, and he didn't really have any time with his own father. So that meant that he wanted security from particularly as an officer it ticked a lot of boxes for him personally mm. um about like being proud of his son and not having to worry about him anymore so he reinforced that identity for me does that make sense yeah absolutely um and so i played into that even more i suppose and i let other people reinforce that identity for me and lots of lots of people do so it is a is a known common problem um, some people don't because of the condition they've had before. They they can pick up one career and then become a doctor the next day, and they're absolutely fine. So it's not a it's not a hundred percent one size fits all. Um, but that's how I think identities built up. It's, it's allowing yourself to um, take it on, in, and how much you let it take you on. Yeah, I think well, from one of the people I've had on this show, um, is we've had some good discussions, but what seems to come out of a lot of the conversations is the fact that this understanding yourself, which doesn't really kick in until you reach a, a point. Yeah. It doesn't seem to be age specific. I got friends in work that are 27 that are having these conversations. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I didn't knit it till I was 41. So yeah. It's, and, and I wonder like, you know, if I'd have been allowed to explore myself a little bit more when I was younger without any, um, you know, to, to understand what I really enjoy doing and who I really am, you know, or at least been guided by the, the education system to do that so that when you with a job, if you are going to come part of the, the wheel or the whatever you want to call it, that you're fulfilled in doing so, you know. Yeah. And you're not going to have this crisis somewhere along a point where you've got to reassess everything and have a meltdown to figure it out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, I, I think as well that. Um, you know, so I, I, what I say to people is that I joined the Marines when I was 15 and then I, okay, we'll explain that. So, um, because I actually joined when I was 22. Um, so they say, okay, explain that. I said, well, mentally I joined at 15 because I, I made the decision to join at that age because, um, I was looking at careers. They turned up at my school. I was hooked at that point. I didn't know I wanted to be an officer then. They, that was something they actually suggested to me. Um, I just wanted to be part of the organization from that time. So everything, so you see, it starts and you're quite impressionable then. You're not yeah. as impressionable as my, some of my kids, that are, you know, my twins that are two and a half, three years old because of their brain waves, but um, I was still really impressionable as a teenager like they are. Um, so I really took that on, identity on early, and it became my focus, which is why I achieved it. You know, it was one of the reasons that I was successful. But um, I took it on early. So this was a long-standing thing that I'd taken on from an early age and lived through. So I understand people spend any time doing that. Um, they're absorbed by it. So I was absorbed. I had no real plan for the future. My future was that. I didn't, I didn't ever think, oh, when I leave the Marines, I'm going to do this. Um, and I understand this now that I, I read around this subject you know, as, as part of my 
own professional, professional development, you know, the reader crosses into elite athletes, you know, yeah. so I know, I know kind of where I'm going with this in the future as well, because they have the same thing. They start early 15s, you know, really late because I was in sport before that as well. But, um, I wasn't in top level sport, but I was in pretty good level of sport in swimming and water polo. So I do understand the mindset, but they, those guys are training ridiculous amount of time these elite athletes from ages of four and five. Now it's getting it earlier and earlier, it seems. So they create a strong identity from a young age, really impressionable brain age. And then they carry the sport through. And some of these careers are ending their early twenties. Yeah. Like mm. any sport really. And then, then suddenly it's like the, the music stops and it's like, now what you can do. And I'm like, I, I didn't think about that because they're absorbed like I was. And then suddenly you're in a crisis because you're like, well, I don't know what I want anymore because I wanted to be a Marine. And if I did a test, if I did a test right now, which is if, it, if it, you had the old, uh, the old school kind of career tests of like, you know, you do these 10 questions and it says you're going to be, a, you know, you're going to be a refuge collector or whatever it says in mm. school, you know, these careers thing. So I would have taken a test then at that point and it would have said, oh, join as a Royal Marines officer. And I've been like, well, I've already done that. Mm. You know what I mean? So, um, and that's what would happen if, um, you know, uh, Roger Federer took a test when he, when he was thinking his career's coming to an end. He would say, be a professional tennis player. And he'd be like, yeah, great. What, what else? So there's, there's, obvious, there's some obvious areas. He could, he could commentate. He could, you know, do obvious things that people do do. But is that what he really wants to do? Or was that really what... So I it's a kind of a crisis for, for those type of people and um, that devote their life identity purpose into, into something so strongly. Mm-hmm. They don't actually step back from it and get a, a bird's eye view. And then the only time they do that is when it comes to an end and they step back and go, Oh, sh- you know, crap. What, what, what am I going to do now with my life? And they, they, they spiral like I did. I, I suppose it's the best way to describe you spiral into uncertainty and don't really know any answers and and you have choices about i suppose do you, do you want to find out about yourself or do you want to allow yourself to go down there because some people do just they, they allow themselves to fall and fall and fall and they don't want to get back up i think that's a choice that's hard yeah. to hear for some people yeah because there's some other issues going on there for some people but for lots i think they make a choice that they don't want to get up yeah, so sometimes it can be like taught, you know, taught helplessness. Yeah, yeah. You know, where they, like I was, I was there, I was me when I was 41, a victim of my own story all the way along. Yeah. And, and I, I can't remember what flipped the scales for me. Something happened and I think it was my, yeah, it was my relationship with my son. That was the, the tipping point. Because I just realized the way it's going, either we're going to come clash or he's going to end up, we go go our separate ways and never speak again. Yeah. And I just thought, I, I really don't want that. So then, then the question become then, so what kind of, you know, what could I do? Yeah. Uh, which after a lot of, co- a lot of coaching and a lot of therapy, eventually got there, you know? <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You've got to, you've got to want to, like, like I say to everybody, uh, I've said to you as well, it's, you really got to want to, yeah, I'm not, I'm not interested in holding someone hand and talking about their past if it's not relevant. You know, coaching coaching's about taking you where you are right now and taking you to whatever level you're willing to go to with it. 
um, as opposed to, I mean, you know, the, there's everybody out there for whatever you need. So there's, there's therapy out there for people that need it. Mm. That's not what I do. So I focus on what I'm good at and do that. Um, because I, th- I think it's easy to, you can, as, as they say, you can spend years in therapy and never get anywhere because um, you can live in that past and it doesn't, it doesn't create, it, well, it creates a predictable future if, if you're a believer in that. Yeah, there's, uh, there's lots to see on that one. <laughs> yeah, we won't go there. We haven't got enough time. <laughs> okay, so what do you think is that, like, there's going to be fine performance, there's going to be, like, you know, uh, your normal factory workers like myself and all sorts of different people listening. So yeah. how, how, how might they apply something that you might run through with one of your clients? What, what, what sort of, what would be the start of a 10 or you know, the main starter question that you might ask? Yeah, so for me, this is a combination of what I learned in the Marines and the wisdom I've gained since leaving. Um, so all the personal development that I've personally done including my corporate work so it's like basically um my 25 years worth of this is what i would do first before i do anything so it's about simplify so uh it's about taking you right back to um day one week one as people if if they know anything about the marines they officers and, and men all train in the same place it's unique in in the world so no, nobody else does that um, so when you go down to Linton, essentially, like most military establishments that there, they strip you back to nothing. Yeah, so you, you go in there as nobody and you come out as somebody else. So all your kind of possessions, it's not like you get more taken off you or anything extreme like that, but you're down to pretty basics and you're issued a basic set of kit. So what I do initially with people is simplify the life because um often they've taken accumulated a lot of baggage over the years and that includes patterns of behavior but also physically stuff and all of that stuff uh, whether it be physical or mental is weighing them down to a point where they're overwhelmed um and why they're asking for help from someone like me because it's just not working in every area of their life probably financially relationships um their career so it's all just not working so uh, i create structure so my message is really structure systems and habits um in that order so um lots of people talk about habits but they talk generally about them um and you can read all the books on them and still be like i'm not getting anywhere with these habits because um without structure and systems that are working for you you're going to struggle to get habits that work as well so I, I focus purely on structure. So I set up what I call it. I set up the perfect elite performance day to create an elite performance life or to reclaim your day, to reclaim your life because I'm all about finding life purpose, but you can't just go out there and, and, and kick about in the woods and say, Oh, I found it now. I found that purpose. It's all good. Let's go. Um, you need clarity. You need space to do that. Um, and so to, to, in order to create that time and space, you have to simplify your life and create a structure. So uh, what I get people to do is analyze their life. And, um, and I suppose the, the easiest way to explain it is I do it in a way which is like, okay, 
um, because of the complex of, of man that I'm talking to, a lot of the time they're serving other people more than them serving themselves because I see the man as my message is a man is a provider. It's conditioning, by the way. So I feel or felt very much like the provider for my family. Like financially, I deal with my family stuff so that they can live. Not my wife, me, I'm the provider. Puts a lot of pressure on a man to deliver all the time, which means he doesn't think about his life purpose. He just cracks on and gets it done. Um, and that, in that kind of energy, it's really difficult to think about what you really want from life. So I start people making a list about the things they do for themselves, the things they do for other people, and um, things that they could cut away as a result. So make a big list and we traffic like that list. And then we say, okay, let's start cutting some of that stuff away. Um, because a lot of it is not serving you right now. Um, so it's about creating space and time in your life. So it's an evaluation of your life. Um, and that's one of the first exercises. And then we start building a structure. So it's unique to you because I'm not saying do my structure and you'll win because mine needs to be different to an in another individual's because I've got three kids. People might not have no kids at all or they might be a single parent. Yeah, everyone's got their circumstances. So you need to just take the principles. So my principles are um, you need to get up early um whatever early is to you and you need to like a lot of people teach out there own the first and last hour of the day because it, it really helps success in your mind and when your brain waves are in, uh, where you need them so um i because i've got three children who wake up early i'm up at five and i go out for a run at five for 20 minutes um i then have five minutes of quiet time you could call it meditation call it what you like but it's essentially that and then i have um a time where I write out my three intentions of the day in priority order, um, all centered around creating more revenue for my business so that I can grow it so that I can actually make it a reality and not pretend that I want a business. And um, that means, yeah, that, that's getting super real, isn't it? Because a lot of people do that, yeah? So um, I do it in priority order and I get those done. They just, they gonna happen. And anything else that I want to happen in that day, if it doesn't happen, it's not, it's not important. So I will get those three things done, which also programs into my brain that every day, regardless of what happens, what happens to me, because I can't control it, I still have a successful day because I've achieved my three things that I've set out to achieve. Mm. So um, I've, I've done physical exercise, so I've increased endorphins and serotonin in my body, which I know is going to help my brain feel happy um so exercise is essential and um, i've known that because i've done it for years and when i stop doing it and decrease those levels i start having more negative thoughts so and you can read all the science on that because it will back it all up and um, so that's that's what i do so i guarantee myself 20 minutes of kind of a nice hard run i set myself up for the day have a bit of quiet space and then whatever happens as a result three kids waking up and going crazy before school and whatever else because you know if you've got kids you understand um i'm, I'm you know i had my time i'm set up and then i do what i need to do um and then i have certain periods where i do more creative work i have lunch at the same time uh, today i went out for a walk for an hour with my wife and never would have been able to do that nice and that's really difficult because I'm like, yeah, but I, there's some stuff. No, no. 
you know so i have all that conflict still in my mind i'm just i'm just powering through that resistance and the more i do that the more my brain goes oh right okay so we do we do do a walk and i'm just, it's just reprogramming and then my affirmations um i build on it so uh, a lot of i am statements because it's an identity based thing and it works really well so you know i am a business owner who runs the elite civilian empowering men to make change in their life and i and i add to it all the time and i do it when i wake up in the morning so when i'm first waking up i'll just say that to myself um so it's all the stuff that people will teach out there but that's kind of my structure and you asked before um do i keep working on it yeah so i keep stacking onto that structure building it stronger and making sure the foundations are good and then i start to run systems so systems can be things like how i manage my money that's very differently to what i used to do because what, what i've now found with uh, ex-military is they're not good at managing the money but you know because they're men they don't admit that because it's weakness mm-hmm. um so uh, a lot of people mentioned this and i started to realize you know what shit this is a this is a real thing these are these are competent uh, intellectual people that actually just don't want to admit that they don't know what they're doing with their money mm. um, and they might even have properties and stuff so this isn't like you know that they haven't got any assets or what whatever it's just they don't really know what to do with it and so i started to realize christ you know obviously they don't um and i'll explain that because the, the idea behind the military is if you remember if you watch any war films or all that people used to go and join the army because it gave them food and board. Yeah. So they, they get food, they get food and board. Um, and one of the reasons for that was that, um, when you tell Johnny to jump over the trenches in 1917 and run across the battle of the Somme where, you know, 30,000 soldiers died in a day, they didn't think, Oh, you know, did I pay the gas bill or they, they just go over, or they do what they need to do or they keep their mind on the job. So, you know, when, when I was in Afghanistan, the same applied. If I was thinking about, Christ, how am I going to pay the mortgage this month? I might get myself shot in the head. And it's exactly the reason they do that is that um, they want everything to be taken care of so that you can focus on an intense job, particularly if you're commanding a lot of people. Um, and there's so much going on. That's another conversation, but there's so much going on. Anyone listening to this, who's done that job will understand you've got radios in both ears, like different radios. Um, you've got people asking you about air and, you know, dropping ordinance on things. There's, honestly, there's a million things to think about. And if it goes, Christ, have I, did I pay the gas bill? And then suddenly, whoops, drop that in the wrong place. So they take all those things away because they're distractions, which means when you leave, you're like, well, I've never really looked at my bank balance because it's always been, I always got paid good money as an officer, particularly officers, good money. I'm not worried about looking at my bank balance. And now suddenly I've left and you, you need to be aware of it because your costs just go through the roof because you will either have a mortgage or everything, all your prices have gone up. Um, so you're not used to it. So lots of them do actually have money issues. Mm. So that's just an example of systems that, I've started to use that I've learned that I can now coach on. That's cool. Yeah. I, I think um, 
you know, it makes perfect sense when you think they're <coughs> knowing what a thought can do to you, how it can throw you off. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and how easy for that thought to come in is. And yeah. the biggest impact on my mood generally is if I'm stressed about money. I can, yeah. Everything else can go in wonky. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that little thought about money raises its head and just like, I don't know, it's, it's weird. I'm, yeah. I'm still yeah. understanding why it's so emotive for me. Because so, it, you know, it, money, you know, money has no emotion. It's just it is what it is. We mm-hmm. we put that, we, we attach that emotion to it ourselves. So we, we're doing the damage ourselves. Um, but yeah, there's there's lots of there's lots of conditioning in there around money. But um, yeah, I sort of I'm just sort of highlighting. I had lots of the conditioning around it before, um, before joining the Marines, but it made it a non-issue for me in the Marines, which meant that I didn't focus on it. And what you don't focus on doesn't get better or mm. what you don't measure doesn't get better so it wasn't a practice of mine so when i left i managed money in a terrible way and, and i've spoken to people since in exactly the same way and something is ironically they're more willing to talk about some of the psychological issues they've had rather than you know i'm shit with money <laughs> yeah yeah because you, you sort of alluded to that already which is that you've got a lot around it um but you're probably more willing um to talk about some other things about your life that have gone on than you would about, I really don't know what I'm doing with money because it's, it's a, it's a big weakness area for men that they don't want to talk about. Oh yeah. It's huge. I mean, I resisted it. Uh, about two years ago, I, had a, I sat down with a financial coach and he, first thing he said to me was get a budget. I think I, and I, dro- and I dropped him and then I went with another one and he said, do a budget. <laughs> <laughs> and I stuck with him for a bit and I did a budget and he sort of got it in place. And then circumstances change, change my job, uh, pay, pay changes. So then nothing for a bit. And then we eventually in a position then to have another coach. And she said, do a budget. And for some reason, this time we did a budget. But I went and the first thing I did, I went and got uh, a, a, 12, a 13 leaf folder, which, which hold like, it's about the same size as the 20. But there's 13 compartments. And it was the exact number of compartments I needed to put all my different categories in for yeah. for the budget. And that has been a game changer. I think if I had gone, I wish, I wish I'd done it two years ago. When yeah. the first, do you know what I mean? I probably wouldn't have done it in the same way I've done it this time. So I've been so focused. And I needed, because of the, the, the changes in, in uh, money coming into the house with my job change, it was a, it was a must. I, I must yeah. control my money. Not I yeah. should control my. Do you know what I mean? And, and yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a that's a completely different phrase when you say I should and I must. Yeah. So it's, it's just no way was I going to let it snowball into this massive, all-consuming beast. I just you can never catch up with, you know. Yeah. So. Okay, that's cool. Well, I want to be respectful of your time. I think we got a couple of minutes left. A few more yeah. questions, Phil. Um, sure. Tell me a story about something that has amazed you. Something that's amazing. I would really say it's um, how like open I've actually become about my own journey, and um, and when I look back from my journaling, sort of my gratitude journal, from it's it's amazed me that like like they say, you know, I'm still here as a result of the difficult things I've gone through. So um, 
it's yeah it's, it's, it's incredible that i'm as open as i am now and i have a completely different perspective um and i never would have thought that was possible but i've really are commit i committed um quite blindly i suppose to the the journey that i've been on and i'm continuing to go on um but it's just really switched probably from a slightly fixed mindset into a, just such a dramatic growth mindset that i'm open to any kind of suggestion um not in a bad way but as in you know a perspective on something yeah um, and I'm, and that has allowed me to learn really quickly because uh, i i i had to learn really quickly in the marines it was just a if you didn't you were left behind quite quickly mm. um and I, and I was always needed a bit of time to learn um got a pretty good IQ, but I was always like, I needed a bit of time to learn things. And when I got it, I really got it. So I had to learn a bit faster in the Marines. Um, and then I suppose, yeah, when, when I, when I became really open, particularly to the, the way I was feeling a few years after in corporate and, and I, you know, I had to kind of say to my wife, I'm really not happy. And she's like, well, I've noticed that for a long time. It's just, but, been waiting for you to come to me um and emotion about all sorts of things because i basically just i just and just done that tap and said you know what i'm allowed to be like this um but i know i know what emotions are about but i've repressed them for so long um because it it was seen and conditioned into me to it was weak to show any of those things even even if people would give me permission i was like well yeah on a subconscious level, I was like, yeah, but that's just not going to happen. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I've been amazed at that journey, really. It sounds like you've got someone very supportive uh, on your shoulder. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they, they say every every great man has a greater woman behind, and that is definitely the case for me. Um, you know, without her, I don't think I'd be here, to be honest. Uh, I'd, I'd gen- 100% um, because because she's a coach as well, annoyingly sometimes, um, because you, there's no hiding, basically. No hiding. If you, if you think I'm ruthless, Joel, you should meet my wife. Um, but that is like, you know, uh, she's more brutal than instructors in the Marines. Yeah. Because what they said didn't impact me. Do you understand that? Yes. Yeah, so like, yeah, I, no, I might have been crawling around in the dirt uh, and being kicked about a bit, but that cannot be beaten by somebody who knows you intimately asking you questions that you don't want to be asked, basically. Um, so yeah, she was kind of pivotal in my pivotal in my journey um, to getting getting out of a really kind of suicidal thought process that um, that men do go through. It's a, like a real, real big issue for men right now, and I'm seeing that now in some of the communities that I'm involved with. That's uh, massive. Uh, yeah, some blokes are, are in a you know big hurt locker right now. Absolutely, and, uh, they need a lot of support, which was which is hard for for hard for blokes, you know, because they're conditioned. Yeah, I was say it's a social conditioning. You know, it's what we're brought up with. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, I mean, it's a it's a, over over year. I think it's uh, one of the biggest biggest killers of men under was it forty to forty five. Yeah. And it's actually still on, the, still on the rise. I mean, you know, data is data and it can be manipulated, but it, it is currently rising. It's not actually getting better. No. Um, so there's a, there's a big, big job there to do. Oh, yeah, absolutely, mate. 100% with you. Uh, yeah, that's, that's, 
that's where this show started. Do you know what I mean? It's uh, the int intention is to allow people to get a different perspective, and hopefully, then they you know they they resonate with your message, who you are, and they'll think yeah. actually, yeah, I'm a little bit curious, and then they'll dig into that curiosity because they know it's going to see them right, and yeah. eventually, then they'll be on the other side. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. I see that really is um, it's more it's more it's more than my job. It's it's now my purpose because you say I see purpose in a different way now. I'm not linked to it in the same way that I was before. So um, my my purpose really is to uh, obviously assist on a on a deep level with these individuals that want to work with me and be part of my community, but more so uh, give them permission. That's the way I see it. Give them permission to say, you know, hey, um, there's, you know, there's, there's guys out there like Jason Fox. He's one of the SAS. He dares wins. Uh, he's one of the training team on that. Um, people know him as Foxy on there. And he talks, you know, he, he's big on the message for mental health. He's had a lot of issues, uh, former SBS. And all he's doing really is, is what, you know, what I do, which is give permission to men um of all walks of life that you know what it's it's absolutely fine to feel this way it's not good it, it's ugly it's it's horrible at the time but if guys like this from this this level that have gone to this kind of level psychologically and physically um have come down from that level and gone really low um it's 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 normal it's acceptable to go down there it's it's cool and do you know what? There's people that have all done it and been there right now and you can get out of it if you want to. And there's a help there for you. There's no, there's no um, disservice uh, to anybody to admit that you need some help. So it's, it's great. Um, definitely what I call it is permission, yeah, to say, look, just, just stick your hand up and say, I, I need some help right now. And that, okay. that's cool. Yeah. So it's just that permission, I, I think. Yeah, that's, that's I've noticed that some of my clients comes down to permission. Um, yeah, it's uh, yeah something I need addressing. Definitely, John. Definitely. Okay. Uh, one last question then. Looking yep. into the future, what could be the craziest, the most exciting thing you could be experiencing? Um, I think success. Really, um, because success is individual. It's not what somebody else perceives to be your success. Um, that's a real challenge for a lot of people. Um, comparison, um, something my wife deals with a lot in terms of her coaching is you know comparison. It's it's an it's an epidemic basically. So being individually successful, and that's not having millions of pounds in the bank or anything like that, but really growing this um, to a level where um, I can I can just stretch this to as many men as possible, and that starts with my own community. Of, um, of veterans really and ex-military so there's, there's no there's no like geographical boundaries it's just how many people can I serve in the time I've got and then along with that byproducts of that are different things that I'm going to do within the business if that makes sense so really as long as I stay on point with why I'm doing this and um, who I'm serving all of the bits and pieces, like the practicalities of whether I do workshops and all these little things, they'll all just happen as a result of that because my audience will demand those things of me. I won't say I need to do them. They'll say, you're not doing this. 
yeah, I am now because, you know, you've, you've asked me. So I've learned that early on. It's like, just start listening to them a bit more um, because I was kind of saying, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. And it's like, well, do you know they want it? No. So let's just wait until um, people start asking more questions and making observations and then provide what they actually ask for, which is quite difficult if you've got a, a vision you want to grow, you want to do this all the time. But um, it, it allows you to master as well um, your craft, depending on what it is. Yeah. Well, yeah, coaching is a, a craft indeed. And it's, it's something you've got to continuously work on. And, and as you already do, I mean, I, I see coaches out myself, different places. So there's always something to learn. And like you said earlier on before the interview, if you're not, you're not growing, you're dying. So <laughs> yeah, you know, that's, that's a lot. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. Me too, man. Me too. Okay. And the final one is where can the audience find you and on what platforms? So my main platform is LinkedIn. So uh, if you look at John beat, which is J O N B W T E on LinkedIn, uh, that's my major platform. Um, same name on, uh, same handle on Instagram, so at John B, um, and also Facebook again, John B. They're the three major platforms that I use, but predominantly leading with LinkedIn because that is where my audience currently lies. So they're they're in corporate jobs right now, um, feeling unfulfilled um, at every every kind of level. So kind of mid management to senior management, and are looking for what that purpose is now with their life that they left the military. Okay, fantastic, man. Thank you very much for coming on. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Keep doing what you're doing. It's uh, we just as we all just touched on. It's, uh, it's something that needs addressing. So let's hope we can make our own impact and uh, make a difference. Cool. I agree. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks very much, John. All right. Cheers, Joel. Take care. So thank you for listening today. I hope you enjoyed it. My name is Joel Ingram, and I am a certified NLP coach. I help passionate, resourceful, and professional people who feel stuck and unfulfilled with aspects of life to rewrite their narrative and chronicle a new, engaging, and captivating future. Please subscribe if you found benefit.